Day Radio News. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Next up, you'll be listening to United Way Community Connections with Mike Affelberg. United Way Community Connections. United Way Community Connections broadcasts every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on WSMN. In United Way Community Connections, you will be introduced to leaders from all of the great nonprofits in Greater Nashua. From caring for our children to our seniors. From helping our homeless pets to our at-risk vets. From learning the skills to get your GED to dealing with trauma and substance abuse. Community Connections is the place to learn with Mike Affelberg about what's going on. Learn how you can help and make a difference from the experts. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show, which is making a difference in Greater Nashua. Here's your host, Mike Affelberg. Well, good Monday morning, and welcome to the United Way Community Connections show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2021. Oh, it's a big week here. Um, so it's uh, going to be St. Patrick's Day this week. That's always a great thing. And, uh, you know, while it might not be the St. Patrick's Day that we've had in the past, there might still be some social distancing. There might still be some bars closed. There might be some mask wearing, all of that stuff. Life is slowly but surely returning to, um, well, not returning to normal, but changing to a new kind of a, new kind of a way of being. And I hate the term new normal, so I'm not going to call it the new normal. That's just like something about that term that just drives me crazy. But um, life is evolving and um, hopefully becoming um, less pandemic-like and more um, let's move on and uh, figure out the way things ought to be like. And so that's a good thing. So happy St. Patrick's Day to those of you who are Irish this week, which is frankly all of us. No matter what you are, you're Irish this week. And speaking of Irish ladies, a uh, big happy birthday shout out to my wife, whose birthday is this week on Friday. And uh, of course, she's probably embarrassed for me saying this, but I always say this. And why, why do I say the nice Irish lady? Well, the, so the funniest thing about this is I'm just going to just indulge me here for a moment. My wife is German, grew born and raised, grew up in Germany. Uh, we met in California in high school. Um, so she's, she spent the, uh, you know, her childhood in Germany. And so she has a little bit of an accent, but not a super strong accent. She doesn't sound like she just, uh, you know, took the boat over from, uh, you know, the, the, the continent and, and, uh, got off and here she is. She doesn't sound like that. She said, she's got sort of a mixed accent cause she learned English in California, um, a lot from me, <laughs> God bless her. And uh, then she also, you know, we moved to Rhode Island and we moved to Texas and we lived here in New England. So she's got sort of a a mutt-like accent, lots of different things mixed together. And I guess the combination of accents that we have when you you combine that with her unique German accent sounds awfully Irish. And uh, she, we used to own a retail store and uh, the customers would always ask, you know, about the nice Irish lady. And I would at some point just gave up and started indulging them and said, 
you know, if they had a question or, or comment or something they wanted to look for, I'd say, you know, why don't you go ask the nice Irish lady in the back <laughs> that became the family joke. So happy birthday to my wife. Um, and, uh, happy St. Patrick's day to everybody else, um, involved this week as well. It is, uh, the community connection show that you're listening to. We're here each and every Monday from nine to 10 AM on WSMN 1590 AM, also broadcast live on 95.3 FM, also streaming online on the WSMN 1590 website, also on your smart speaker. Just say, hey, Google, play uh, WSMN 1590, and it'll come right on. And also on our Community Connections Facebook page. So we have a Facebook page called the Community Connections Radio Show. And uh, I broadcast there live as well. And if you have questions or comments, that would be a great place to leave them um, during the show. Each week, we interview two different nonprofits, uh, talk with them about what they're doing in our community to make this a place which is smarter, stronger, safer, healthier, and happier for all of us who live and work here. Uh, that is the role of our nonprofit, nonprofit social services sector to make our lives better. And uh, sometimes these are organizations that are severely teeny tiny organizations that you maybe never have heard of. And we've had you know dozens of them on the show over the years that we've been doing the show who um, you might never have heard of. And this might be your introduction to them. And that's great. Sometimes it's larger organizations. Um, and today is one of those days when we're going to have two, um, relatively speaking, larger organizations who are going to come on and talk about what they're doing. So we're going to have with us today Harbor Care which is the rebranded Harbor Homes, Harbor uh, Care um, houses or, or, or takes into account um, a, a variety of agencies, including uh, Keystone Hall, Harbor Homes, Harbor Care Dental and Health Clinic, uh, the uh, Southern New Hampshire HIV AIDS Task Force, and uh, combines them all under one roof to provide social services. So we're going to be talking with them about one or two of their programs later on. And then we're also going to be talking about another little nonprofit that you might have heard of. This one's out on Kinsley Street, something called St. Joseph Hospital. Yeah, said tongue-in-cheek. Yes, St. Joseph Hospital is a nonprofit. And so sometimes we have big nonprofits. And, and when we do that, we talk more specifically about one or two of their programs rather than the whole organization itself. And that's what we're going to do a little bit later after the break. Um, as far as, you know, with United Way, a couple things going on that I would want people to know about that are really important to us is uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to reopen our pop-up food pantry program. Um, we are partnering again with uh, the Nashua Soup Kitchen and Shelter, the Boys and Girls Club, the YMCA, um, and the Nashua School District. And uh, the uh, way the program works is that uh, Boys and Girls Club or YMCA volunteers uh, pick up the food at the Nashua Soup Kitchen and Shelter and bring it out to one of 10 different locations. There are two different locations running each day of the week. Um, this, this spring we'll be, we'll be running those from, I believe we said 1130 to 1 PM. So incorporating sort of that lunchtime hour, people from the community can come to one of those locations and get food. And at the location itself, there are, there's staffing provided by United Way volunteers. So it's a great little collaboration. So far, this program has, um, brought food resources to, um, about 8,000 um, individuals and families since the beginning of the pandemic. So we're pretty proud of this. 
Uh, food security is a real issue, and it's become more acute during the pandemic. And any organization running a food pantry will tell you that. Um, and this is one of those ways in which, um, you know, it's important to have pantries that are robust and can serve the community, but it's also important to bring the food services and, and resources to the community. And this is one of those times. So we're doing that starting in the spring, but we also still have our ongoing winter pantries as well. Um, what else is going on? We have our days of caring coming up. In particular, our next one up is focused on food security, and that's our food packaging event. We'll be packaging with volunteers 15,000 meals, and those meals go out to the food pantries in our community. Those are shelf-stable meals that are high-quality, high, 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 very nutrient-dense, high-in-protein type meals. Um, we'll be doing some breakfast meals and we'll also be doing some dinner meals. And those are, um, sort of like just add water and off you go and you got a healthy meal type meals. So we're doing that and, and, uh, we're going to be doing that again this year at the adult learning center. We're super proud to be there for the second year in a row. And we do that in their gymnasium using, um, volunteers to do all the packaging and uh, get that out to the pantry. So we're, we're happy about that. That's the first in our series of Days of Caring, um, which will run all year long. Um, you know, a little bit different this year with some social distancing and that kind of thing, but um, we're still uh, definitely committed to doing those events because they do bring people together to solve important needs and, um, and bring resources to the community. What else we've got going on? Um, well, it's that time of year where we start talking about a couple of our big fundraisers. Um, you know, at United Way, we're committed to doing fundraisers that don't compete with our partners in the community. And what I mean by compete is, um, you know, we have a, a sort of resources that are kind of can get tapped out in a, in, a, in a small community like ours when it comes to fundraising. So um, we try not to do things that are like golf tournaments or um, you know, 5k road races or annual galas, because those are already being done by many of our partners. And the truth is, if I was going to do a golf tournament, it would probably take away from the proceeds in some way from one of our other partners. So we do things that are a little bit, let's say, unconventional, things that nobody else would be stupid enough to do. And what does that mean? That means uh, come skydiving with us. We're going skydiving in June, and that's a fundraiser specifically geared towards supporting our Ending Youth Homelessness Fund. Um, I'm looking for about a dozen people to join me. Our goal is to raise twenty to $30,000 for that fund. That fund has done a lot of things this year. Um, it's helped to provide seed funding to Stepping Stones Youth Drop-In Center. Um, it'll it even it bought them a freezer this past week so that they can help um, you know get some food resources into kids' bellies. Um, it's you know bought um, uh, books for kids to go to school. It's paid for driver's licenses. It's bought bought uniforms for somebody's first job. That's what the Youth Homelessness Fund is about. It's about those small investments which can make a big difference in breaking the cycle of. Um, youth homelessness in our community. So important. So if you wanted to go skydiving ever and you feel like youth homelessness is an issue that you can get your heart into, uh, join me and a couple of others and we'll go jumping out of a perfectly good airplane in June. As my friend Ken Graybo says, why would I jump out of a perfectly good airplane? And I can only think of one good reason. And Well, I can think of lots of good reasons. But uh, one really good reason is to end youth homelessness in our community. The other big event that we've got going on that we're planning right now is our um, 
Over the Edge event. That's coming up in August. We've moved it to August 16th and 17th this year. Over the Edge is an event that involves rappelling from the rooftop of the Brady Sullivan Tower at 1000 Elm Street in Manchester. That's the big black building that you drive by on the on the highway. And uh, it's the second tallest building only by inches, frankly, uh, in the state of New Hampshire. It's 24 stories, 300 feet. And um, that's a really unique fundraiser in that the people who actually rappel from the top of the building are parts of a team, each team of which is supporting its own nonprofit. So, for example, Family Promise of Southern New Hampshire that um, runs one of our community's phenomenal transitional housing programs has a team of six people and each of those people will be raising money and the money that they raise goes right back to their organization. So there are going to be probably a hundred or so people um, participating in that event. And uh, if you, we still have some spaces available. So if you um, happen to know of a nonprofit that's looking for a little bit different of a way to connect with its donor base this year to raise awareness about its mission and wants to participate in a big event, be a participant in a big event. Sometimes um, it's uh, easier to participate as a, as a part of a big event rather, rather than being the entirety of the big event. And this is one of those ways in which we do it. We, each year we have 20 to 30 nonprofits that participate and we always have great coverage on TV. Um, in the newspaper, we have a lot of great uh, part- people like the governor has done this with us. Um, both of our sitting state reps have participated in the event. Kelly Ayotte is already committed to going over the edge with us again this year. Um, so it's going to be um, you know, a really great event. And uh, I would say if you're looking for any more information, just connect with me at United Way, and we'll do what we can to get you in on our Over the Edge event. Last thing I wanted to mention before we cut to break is a new program that we just started. We just did it for the second week, and we're planning on doing this, who knows, maybe forever, or at least for a while, right, is something called Fridays United. So every Friday at noon, like clockwork, we are going to be going to a different um, partner of ours in the community and talking a little bit about what they do. And we're going to do that only on Facebook. And it's only on a Facebook Live. So the best thing you can do to see these little um, Facebook Live events is to go to United Way GN. That's our Facebook handle, United Way GN for Greater Nashua, and uh, like us. And then at noon on Fridays, we will pop up in your news feed as, as when we're going live. This past uh, Friday at noon, we were at the um, St. Joseph Hospital Mobile Health Clinic, um, talking about what they do and um, you know how they're making a difference in the community. The week before, we went to Revive Recovery and talked about how they're helping people in the recovery community to to live healthier lives. Um, and this coming Friday at noon, we will be at Nashua's Police Athletic League at PAL, and they have a new, newly reconstructed space, um, which was part of a big project called Building on Hope. So um, look, look for that every Friday at noon, and uh, each time you do that, we'll, we'll take five to ten minutes of your day and, and hopefully introduce you to somebody um, that you don't know about and learn, you can learn something um, about, uh, you know, about our community and its fabulous nonprofit partners. That's what's going on at United Way these days. I'm going to take our first break, 
And uh, then we will bring on to the air our first guests. Let me just check my little calendar here so I can tell you who's going to be up first. I believe it's Harbor Care this week. Um, But hold on one second and I will tell you that. We got on the Community Connection Show, our first guests will be... um, Yes, Harbor Care, and that's um, Courtney Marchand um, will be on with us talking about some of their programs. Our show is brought to you by generous sponsorships from Edgestone Properties, one of our community's premier builders, uh, fully promoted and embroidered me of Bedford and Nashua, um, bringing fabulous promotional products to our community, screen printing and embroidery, and Franklin Savings Bank, um, our banking partner friends up with a branch in Merrimack. So thank you to each of them for supporting the United Way Community Connections show. And we will be back in just a minute. And I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. I need to get some new shirts for my business. Just call Sal. Does he do screen printing also? Just call Sal. Does he embroider shirts too? Just call Sal. I also need business cards and brochures. Just call Sal. How about yard and lawn signs? Just call Sal. And promotional products to give my customers? Just call Sal. Who is Sal? I'm Sal. My wife Jennifer and I are the proud owners of Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. If you need embroidered or screen printed shirts, business cards, brochures, lawn signs, promotional products, and even personal protective equipment for your business or organization, just call me or stop by our showroom, conveniently located at 410 South River Road in Bedford, right off the Everett Turnpike. You can also visit our website at fullypromotedsnh.com. That's fullypromotedsnh.com. We are your one-stop shop for all your promotional needs. Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. Our business is to help you grow your business. Just call Sal. Commercial lending at our big bank is a process that begins with AD, that's application data, being sent off to HQ headquarters. Sounds like that could take a while. (laughs) It will. At Franklin Savings Bank, our commercial lending decisions are made locally, resulting in faster loan approvals. Drop into any of our Lakes Region or Southern New Hampshire branches, including Merrimack and Goffstown, to find out what we can do for you. Or visit fsbnh.bank. Franklin Savings Bank. Together, we are community. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in Southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Etchstone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at etchstoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Wardis Law has been representing injured people for 20 years. Whether it's car accidents, motorcycles, accidents, pedestrian injuries, dog bites, slips and falls. Bob Bartis is an experienced attorney who solves problems. Bartis Law, a statewide personal injury law firm. Their number is 603-880-1300 or BartisLaw.com. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, 
or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections, or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. One call does it all. Well, good Monday morning, and welcome to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg, speaking through my face mask, which is why it sounds so muffled, and I apologize for that, but this is how we do broadcasting during a pandemic, right? I wanted to welcome into the studio brand new guest, Courtney Marchand, or Marchand, I'm sure she's going to correct me, I would appreciate if she did, from Harbor Care, and a specific program at Harbor Care called the Merit Program. Courtney, welcome to our show. Great. Thank you, Mike, for having me. It's great having you as well. And um, how do I pronounce your last name? Marchand. Marchand. You did good. <laughs> well, you know, it's we're, it's a French-Canadian community we live in, and I'm sure you have French-Canadian a- ancestry, given your name. Yes, yes, I do. And so I'm always cautious, like, how do you pronounce last name? I have no French-Canadian with me. Apfelberg with a name like that. You know there ain't no French anywhere near the name. But, uh, so, but, I, but I'm sensitive when people... Um, pronounce it incorrectly like not the german way so i get that yeah well courtney welcome to our show how long have you been with harbor care um it'll be coming up on two years this spring fantastic it's a great organization to work work with work for yes i'm getting just getting used to calling uh, calling it harbor care i had just got used to calling it the partnership for successful living and after peter trained me to do that after i used to call everything harbor homes so you know that's okay but henry's working really hard to make sure that the whole thing gets rebranded properly yes everyone's working very hard and um so far so good we're having we've had a great transition with the rebrand um and it's definitely something that's been very beneficial to our, our clients and the individuals that we serve in the community as well. Well, the truth the truth is the work is what the work has been, which is really great transformative work. Um, you know, wraparound services for for people to uh, to to stabilize their lives. And your program sounds like it's one of those for sure. Um, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about the merit program and what and what it is? Sure. So um, the merit program was actually one program that uh, was funded through a SAMHSA grant. Um, it was actually only one of 23 grants awarded nationally. So SAMHSA, we, we always forget that the people listening don't know what our acronyms mean. So SAMHSA is the, is the uh, federal agency that is the Substance Abuse Mental Health Support Agency. Service Agency. Yes, Services exactly. Agency. Association. Yes. Okay. So um, the merit program is one of only 23 grants um, awarded nationally uh, through SAMHSA for this particular kind of grant. And um, the ultimate goal for us is to really um, respond to the really precipitous rise in methamphetamine use in our community, um, which has really much almost impacted us overnight, it feels. Um, and merit stands for uh, motivating and empowering recovery through innovative treatment. Uh, it's very patient-centered, client-focused, and that's something that we're uh, working to grow on um, and improve, which is what we're doing already with many of the services at Harbor Care. And our goal is to really educate the community, train the community, and bring them into the know of this um, 
rise in epidemic that we're experiencing. So why methamphetamine? It seems like this feels a little bit like Groundhog Day all over again. You know, we've been through, you know, the opioid crisis. I mean, in the years, you know, I'm, I'm getting old, right? So you, you, you start to remember all sorts of things. But in the years when we've been focusing on substance abuse in the community, it's 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 there was there was the crack cocaine and there was meth and then there was the opioid epidemic and of course those are all each one has its own nuances and differences but it feels like we're talking about meth again so what's going on there so we have seen over the last several years um, especially in the state of new hampshire and more specifically even in just the city of nashua alone there's been a significant rise in methamphetamine use in our community Um, and out of the 524 524 out of the 2,000 individuals served just in the year 2019 uh, through Greater Nashua's Mobile Crisis Response Team reported methamphetamine use. Um, And methamphetamine use admissions, those reporting methamphetamine use upon admission to treatment, has been on the rise as well. Um, And there's often a misconception that methamphetamine use is just this West Coast problem, but Mm -hmm. it's here and it's now, um, and this is our response to that issue. Well, so I grew up on the West Coast. We always thought that methamphetamine was a Midwest problems so it's always somebody it's it's like somewhere else but it's here right? right it's here so um but it's kind of back on the rise any thoughts on why that might be I would say um, the biggest one we would have to uh, probably address is the pandemic. And that is not just for methamphetamine use, for substance use in general. Um, We've noticed how um, impactful the pandemic has been to our folks, especially with the overdose numbers that we've seen um, and more overdose numbers, including methamphetamine and stimulants. Um, So that's probably one of the biggest impactors that we're noticing, especially as we start to try to roll out and continue to provide services for a specialized group of individuals during a pandemic. Um, That's been one of the biggest things that our individuals that we serve directly have been reporting and the impact of that on on their recovery. Yeah, big, big uh, piece in uh, New Hampshire, on New Hampshire Public Radio over the weekend about, um, which I think was actually from from NPR, not NHPR, about the the impact of the pandemic on substance abuse in general. And it was, you know, everything from alcohol to opioids to meth. And um, if you think about a lot of the common triggers, it's isolation, it's, you know, self-medication and loneliness and disconnectedness. These are all of the things that, that, that tend to give rise to um, use and reuse. So it's not a, not a surprise. I also understand that cost is an issue and availability. And, and uh, you know, from what I know, and I don't really know much um, about methamphetamine, but it's also relatively easily available and relatively inexpensive compared to other substances. Is that right? It is. And at this um you know, state and time, there is availability to its most purest form. And that's what's very dangerous about it is it's so potent. Um, and the avail- availability of it and the ability to access it at a very low cost has been something that we have heard directly, you know, from the individuals we're trying to help um, about this. So this is definitely something that as a community, we really have to come together and address in all different forms. And so so the merit program itself, how do you do that? Because you're one of those tools in yes. our in our. You know, nobody wants to be called a tool, right? But, you know, because that's not necessarily a positive thing. But you're, you guys are one of those tools in our toolkit to address this crisis. How is it that you um, um, uh, are impactful in this space? 
Yeah, thank you for that. That's a great question because we, you know, as far as our services grow, we're providing wraparound services from all different angles. We're wanting to look at someone from uh, 360 degrees, you know, physical, medical, um, mental health, substance use, and what other supportive services can we get in place for them um, that are in the environment, in their, you know, recovery that is positive for them. And one of the biggest things that um, you know, what, what sets us apart from others, right? So we're having the opportunity to provide contingency management. Um, and that's something that, you know, still very much in infancy of our program as we continue to grow it and build it. Um, anecdotally, we're seeing great impacts with that. Um, contingency management is really an opportunity to try and figure out how to make abstinence more attractive than using substances, right? Um, and it's a tool that we've been able to use with many of our individuals already in early recovery. Um, that research has really supported its effectiveness for these this group of individuals. Um, and that's something that we are very fortunate to be able to do um, to provide that to our individuals in our community because it's very much needed right now. Absolutely. No, no question about it. Now, one of the more, I would say, controversial tools is um, Medicaid, uh, medical, medical assistance treatment. So um, different types of drug treatment for, for, for drug addiction. Yes. And you, you do some of that, right? So what is, what is your approach to Medicaid-assisted treatment? So our um, Harbor Care Health and Wellness Center, our clinic, mm-hmm. our federally qualified health care center in um, Nashua here, is, um, provides a medication-assisted treatment program. And that's very much focused and centered around clients that experience opiate use and alcohol use, yep. um, which many of our folks in our program program um, have polysubstance use. They're, they may be in recovery from opiates, but might be struggling with methamphetamine or cocaine right now. And um, they might have alcohol use and they're being treated through medication-assisted treatment. But at this time, we have no FDA-approved um, pharmacological intervention for stimulant use. Um, and that's where contingency management and a lot of behavioral therapies and those approaches come into play. So important. And um, I also know that part of the Harbor Care family of, of um, agencies is Keystone Hall yes. um, out on Amherst Street. And um, are you part of Keystone Hall? Do you partner with Keystone Hall? How do you work with Keystone Hall? Yes. Um, actually, our contingency management program um, or aspect of our program is very much centered around the intensive outpatient program that Keystone Hall provides. Uh, We also are on site over there at Keystone Hall. We're running groups, so we're um, moving towards full integration, um, not just with our program throughout other services we provide at Harbor Care, but as an agency as a whole. That's that's fantastic. Um, Yeah, that integration is so important, I think, for people who um, are clients because a lot of times, I mean, I've heard from people regardless, like they feel like they're being handed off and their barriers just like it's, you have your issue and then you have the treatment and the treatment should, should be as seamless as possible. And I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. Yes. Um, I guess one of the things, a couple of things I wanted to focus on, make sure that people knew about it's first of all, how does a person, um, connect to your program? How do they get referred in or connected and, and who should be referred or connected to your program? So we accept self-referrals. Uh, we also accept referrals from uh, providers in the community, really anyone. Um, we've had a lot you of... probably have referrals, I would imagine, from the doorway. Absolutely. Okay. So we are, you know, we've partnered very closely with the doorway as well as Revive Recovery um, mm. and being able to just 
to make sure that we're outreaching clients in the moment at that time that they need us. And one of the ways that they could be referred is they can refer themselves uh, to our program, a family member, a friend, uh, a clinical provider uh, that could be referring a client. And there's a one-page referral form that they can access actually on our website. Uh, HarborCareNH.org to be able to fill out and send along to us. All the information is on there for us to be able to get that. That's how someone would be able to be connected to our program. That's great. And I'm assuming that your program's costs are covered by your typical either insurance provider or Medicaid um, th- those types of, of programs, correct? Yes, and anyone who might be underinsured or um, needs a help getting reinsured or reinstated again with their insurance, we can support them with that through Wonderful. our clinic, through our program, um, and also some grant-funded you know, um, aspects of our services are available and covering the pr- services that we provide them with. That's really, that's really great. I know that's also always been kind of a, a barrier or a concern with people is the, you know, the whole aspect of how do I pay for this, you know? We don't turn really anyone good. away for an inability to pay. Yeah. And I know you don't, but I wanted to hear <laughs> that out of your, out of your mouth yes. because I know that our listeners would want to hear that as well. Absolutely. So one of the things that's really challenging is as a community, how do we support you? How, what can we do? to help you in your program? I mean, it's hard to volunteer, but maybe there are opportunities to volunteer. Um, Of course, maybe somebody wants to make a donation to support you. What are some of the ways in which the community can support you in in this program, which is so important? Sure. And especially during times of a pandemic, you know, there is a lot of distance that we might have to still practice at this time. But um, our website is the best place to Mm -hmm. to be able to provide donations and support or uh, look into what volunteer opportunities that we may have. Um, And yeah, that's harborcarenh.org. And through on that website, we have access and information of how they can get rolled, enrolled in merit programs specifically in all of our services. Um, so the best way to really outreach us is through that venue. And uh, we're still on the, fo- you know, doing boots to the ground outreach and in the community. Um, so even face-to-face contact, we're still putting ourselves out there to be able to make sure that we're connected to the folks that we need to serve and to those that can really partner with us closely to make this continue after the grant funds go away. That sounds great. And how long does the grant run? So the grant will be... Um, We'll have the grant funding available through around uh, early fall of 2022. Okay. Um, so it's really important, right, to do a lot of outreach, not just to those directly that we need to serve and need our help, but also with community partners um, because it's it's all of us coming together that really makes a difference. And we need for that to happen um, to make this continue because once these services go away, it could really have a negative impact on our community again. And, and I would also say for the community, one thing people don't ever really think much about is advocacy if you learn a little bit about this program and the importance of it when you know when funding comes up to be you know when it whether it's federal level or state level you know if you know about an organization and the work they're doing and you can provide a voice to one of our legislators on how important that work is it can make a big difference Absolutely. Testimony is very important directly from the individuals we serve as well as the providers and folks that are advocating for them. Absolutely. Courtney, uh, we're about out of time. Was there anything else that you wanted to make sure we covered before we cut to break? Simply just the support of the community. Um, We need to come together and continue to come together to um, just really advocate for those that are, you know, struggling with addiction in general. Um, We want to make sure that we intercept and combat this epidemic that is upon us at this time. And um, I really have faith that we can do that as a community. 
I do too, Courtney. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So you've been listening to Courtney Marchand from the Merit Program at Harbor Care. Harbor Care is, is at harborcarenh.org, and their phone number is 882-3616. And their focus is on substance use um, treatment and recovery, and in particular, as it relates to methamphetamine. So thank you, Courtney, for coming on our show today. Thank you again. You're welcome. So we're going to cut to break now. After the break, we will be joined by our good friends from St. Joseph Hospital, and they're going to talk with us about a brand new program out there, which is their new um, Senior Behavioral Health Unit, which should be really interesting to learn about and a great resource for our community. You're listening to Mike Affelberg on the Community Connection Show. I need to get some new shirts for my business. Just call Sal. Does he do screen printing also? Just call Sal. Does he embroider shirts too? Just call Sal. I also need business cards and brochures. Just call Sal. How about yard and lawn signs? Just call Sal. And promotional products to give my customers? Just call Sal. Who is Sal? I'm Sal. My wife Jennifer and I are the proud owners of Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. If you need embroidered or screen printed shirts, business cards, brochures, lawn signs, promotional products, and even personal protective equipment for your business or organization, just call me or stop by our showroom, conveniently located at 410 South River Road in Bedford, right off the Everett Turnpike. You can also visit our website at fullypromotedsnh.com. That's fullypromotedsnh.com. We are your one-stop shop for all your promotional needs. Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. Our business is to help you grow your business. Just call Sal. Commercial lending at our big bank is a process that begins with AD, that's application data, being sent off to HQ headquarters. Sounds like that could take a while. (laughs) It will. At Franklin Savings Bank, our commercial lending decisions are made locally, resulting in faster loan approvals. Drop into any of our Lakes Region or Southern New Hampshire branches, including Merrimack and Goffstown, to find out what we can do for you. Or visit fsbnh.bank. Franklin Savings Bank. Together, we are community. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Tony Joyce from Joyce Cooling and Heating. Now that winter is here, your comfort and indoor air quality are more important than ever. A new heating system with a state-of-the-art air purification, humidification, or zoning option can make hibernating a lot more pleasant. Upgrading any type system will save you money and ensure you a worry-free system. Don't wait until you have no heat. And remember, that's Joyce Cooling and Heating, 882-4244 or on the web at JoyceCool.com. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at EdgestoneProperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603 Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive, or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections, or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. 
As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. Well, good Monday morning, and welcome to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. talking with you about the nonprofits in our community that are working day in and day out, week in and week out, to make our community stronger, smarter, safer, healthier, and happier for all of us who choose to live and work here. I am joined today in the studio by Peter Burke. Peter is the manager of community education, working for Southern New Hampshire, or Southern New Hampshire, <laughs> oopsie, sorry, sorry about that, Peter, St. Joseph Hospital, the blue building down the road from the green building. <laughs> My apologies for that. And um, we're going to talk a little bit today about the Senior Behavioral Health Unit at St. Joseph Hospital, and that is a brand new I believe from the beginning of this year program that um, is is unique and incredibly important. So, Peter, welcome to our show. Oh, thank you, Mike. Nice to be here. Well, it's nice to have you. And I, we were just talking during the break. You were here a couple of years ago as well. I didn't remember that, but mm-hmm. I always blame my age, my advancing age, on on things I don't remember. Gets but welcome to the best back. Of us. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So. Peter, let's talk a little bit about the Senior Behavioral Health Unit at St. Joseph yeah, Hospital. Yeah, we're very excited at St. Joseph about the new unit. It is brand new, as you said, just around the first of the year. Opened up. It's a, a 24-bed inpatient uh, facility, Senior Behavioral Health. Um, brand new, kind of sparkly new um, f- on 4 North at St. Joseph. Um, very exciting in the sense they, they took the space that was on 4 North. They basically, I think, took it kind of down to the studs and then built out, in a sense, almost like a brand-new floor. So uh, sparkly new and also, you know, certainly state-of-the-art in terms of safety devices and things of that sort. Uh, we were thrilled to have uh, Dr. Jody Marshall uh, join us as medical director. She had been director of a somewhat similar unit over at Frisbee uh, for some time. Uh, we have a program director, Maria Jackson, who's very highly regarded. Um, you know, the services are really terrific in the sense it's uh, there's services that are really very much needed. Um, literally, you can count on one hand the number of uh, s- facilities that provide these services that are targeted toward the senior population. Count on one hand within the state. Uh, so we were, you know, we saw the need. I think the folks as leadership at it, it, uh, uh, St. Joseph, you know, kudos to them because they, they saw the need certainly for uh, these services for that senior demographic and, and uh, made the commitment to open, open the center. So we're fully staffed. As I say, Dr. Marshall is a board-certified um, psychiatrist, nursing staff, social worker, recreational therapist. It's a, a unit for people who are 65 and over, primarily, um, and um, pretty acute situations that they come to us with, uh, whether that be severe depression, anxiety. Uh, I, I should ask right off the bat, this is, I'm assuming, an inpatient unit. People, yes, people inpatient s- voluntary unit. Yes, okay, and, and how many, uh, what's the capacity so, of the unit? Yeah, 24 beds. 24 beds, 24 okay. 24 beds, yeah. Um, so as I say, but, you know, people will come to us with a variety of situations going on, but uh, notable among those might be severe depression, anxiety, bipolar, 
maybe some combination thereof, um, very often with a fairly significant backdrop of dementia to one degree or another. Um, and we're here to really help people across the board with those, uh, those situations. So um, how are people learning about the unit and being referred to you to mm -hmm. become patients? Where do, where do those referrals come from generally? Well, the referrals are coming from a variety of um, directions. Uh, and they're learn people are learning about the unit through, well, things like this, which is a, we're sure. very appreciative of the opportunity to speak a little bit. Uh, the word certainly got out, and people are very excited. We are getting referrals from some of the local assisted living and other senior living facilities. We're getting uh, referrals from other um, hospital uh, emergency departments and case managers around the state, uh, from various social service agencies, and and then just some public inquiries, you know, people that might have a relative uh, that uh, might need you know, be in a situation like this. So, so probably reaching. like 211 type, you know, somebody calls 211 and says, I have a senior parent who is suffering severely with anxiety. So. Right. Yeah. I think that, that would be a source as well. Yep. I, I know I've provided information to the folks of course. at 211 and um, Bill Sherry and that group. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, from a, a variety of directions, we're not limited to a particular geographic area. So we're, right. you know, we're seeing people from Concord, from Portsmouth, uh, certainly from the Nashua area itself quite a bit. But, um, you know, so it's great th that we're able to reach out that way. Are there, um, are you experiencing in insurance barriers with people accessing care? Uh, we're, you know, we're in pretty good shape in the sense we do... Uh, participate in Medicare, certainly. Sure. And now with the 65 and up, that tends to include many of the people, not all, but also New Hampshire Medicaid and some other insurances. We're actively in, in uh, different stages of uh, enrollment and in, in getting into network with some others. Um, but so far, insurance itself has not been too frequent of a barrier. Okay. Uh, so, which is good. That's really good. And I know that they're working constantly to update, in particular, Medicaid and the types of services um, that are covered, treatments that are covered. Like right now, they're looking at, you know, unrelated, but they're looking to expand it to include uh, dental coverage, which right. is so, so, so important. Right. Absolutely. Well, I yeah. think, and some of our referrals are coming from, you know, primary care offices. Uh, specialty medical practices. Over the last several years, as we've had a, a little bit of a, fortunately, a breaking down of some of the silos that people were operating in, some of the primary care offices now will have a behavioral health specialist on staff. So some of that is now, hopefully now we'll get, you know, people will get uh, their situations picked up more quickly um, and be able to get into treatment. Uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds good. What is the typical length of stay? Is there something that's, that's typical? Well, I would say just you know it's not carved in stone, but I'd say you know, around somewhere around ten days or something like that. Very often, it's um, uh, the idea really is to kind of stabilize situations, kind yeah, of get of course. things back on an even keel. Uh, there might be some medication management that needs to happen, um, and you know sometimes people will come in. Let's say they're referred to us by from an assisted living facility. Because of situations like that, we can kind of get things on back on that even keel, and then uh, the folks can go back to that facility often. Uh, you know, yeah. If they need to go on to someplace more specialized for some other medical situation, certainly we can assist 
with that. We do have a social worker on staff, and she's very helpful in working with uh, patients and their parents, both on the way in and while they're there, and then trying to plot out for them uh, the next step, you know, so that there's a real continuum of care, uh, that, they, uh, that there's no break in the in the in that link so where we're talking about seniors and we're probably talking about people that also have some physical comorbidities oftentimes to go along with um, behavioral health issues um, my guess is just is just kind of thinking this through out loud that covid has been um, a real damper on the ability or changed or affected how you've been able to deliver services how how do things stand now as far as um, accepting people in and what sort of parameters you have relative to the pandemic. Right. It hasn't been a, a terrible um, barrier so far, which is good. We're very... That's we, good we, to know. Yeah, we have some very you know rigid uh, guidelines that we adhere to. Even if you just work for, at the hospital every day, you come in yep. and have your temperature taken and whatnot. So uh, that, that is great. But, you know, your mention of that r- makes me think of something, too, that I think certainly what we've all experienced in the past year for seniors in particular has been rough because it has sort of exacerbated, I think, situations that were already happening with many seniors where there already was a sense of isolation, loneliness, you know, maybe depression and some of the other things that go along with it. And then now for for a year to be maybe in some cases totally isolated, uh, it's really kind of exacerbated things. So Mm -hmm. we've, I think that's, some of what we're seeing when when people are coming in for treatment maybe it's uh, as a result of what's been going on maybe finally somebody picked up on it yeah and, and uh, you know they're coming in to have it dealt with i gotta just believe that you're just seeing the tip of the tip of the iceberg that that's going to be a big wave for the next year or two i mean there's going to be a lot of i think there's just going to be a lot of post-traumatic type of type of concerns this has been a, this has been a Str- stressful, um, traumatic situation for so many people, yep. and and that's going to have long term consequences. How full? Is, how full are you guys? Is there a wait list? Or? Uh, well, it's you know we're relatively new units, so we yep. have twenty four beds. We're trying to exercise common sense in terms of social distancing and yeah, things of, of course. that sort. So we're really we're pretty full, con- all that considered right now. But you know there is a an ebb and flow. People do they come in? They're there for a while. And then get discharged and whatnot. So, you know, uh, I would st- I encourage people to, whether it's somebody in a referral uh, position or, if, you know, someone interested in a family member, to call our um, intake line yeah. and discuss it with them and give them the sp- specifics on what's going on. And they can give them some feedback about availability. I can provide that number if you'd like. It's, Please do. So it's 603-884-5560. And that is the intake line. And, uh, you know, it's a good way to get the ball rolling, no matter where somebody's calling from. And I know that the St. Joe's, I just know this from all the many times I've called the hospital, that probably if you just call the hospital's main number and ask to speak with the behavioral, senior behavioral health unit. Or to speak with yourself, Peter Burke. By all means. And maybe I'll just mention quickly my email address, which is pburke, B-U-R-K-E, and then the number one, pburke one at C-O-V-H, which stands for Covenant, Covenant. Health, C-O-V-H dot org. Uh, someone wants to reach out to me by email, I'd certainly get back to them and, and get them whatever information they needed or put them in touch with somebody on staff uh, that could help them. 
So these types of programs, um, one of the things I like to give people in the community is the opportunity to, to, to discover how they might be able to be supportive or helpful or assist. You know, we have a community that likes to, is very generous um, with their time, with their financial resources. Are there opportunities for people to donate or volunteer or just get involved in supporting this program, this, which is so important? Well, certainly... Um if they wanted to donate uh, in some form yeah. or another, they could get in, probably in ch- touch with uh, Deborah Ty yep. over at uh, St. Joseph, the, the foundation uh, contact person. Um, yeah, I think that you know the, the the nicest thing someone can do in a sense is just to be have it top of mind, not just in terms of our unit, of course, but just that there is a need out there, and uh, maybe people within their family, neighbors someone that, that might benefit from knowing about the program uh, it would be very helpful if they just uh, pointed people in the in the right direction that way and, and uh, put them in touch with us or suggested it I think yeah uh, that it's just uh, I think it's an under um, historically it's been sort of an underserved population in this context and mental health and there's certainly been a bit of a stigma over the years. Well, I would I was just going to say this is probably one of those places it's the perfect form a perfect storm of stigma because there's a stigma anyway about aging. Sure. Um, you know, it's just it's just a hard space because and I think because partially we just don't like to see ourselves in the mirror. And we're all gonna we're all gonna get older, and we're all gonna get to a point in our lives where where we're where we're elderly, and then you know, and then beyond. And so we don't like to talk about that. And mental health in general has such has a stigma. stigma. And this is so. This is like a real. I always tell people, you know, if you're sitting around the picnic table um, this summer, talk you know, talking about your friends, and they say, you know, my you know my uncle, my uncle's really struggling, and he's in a nursing home, and you know, he really seems to be suffering with anxiety or depression or, you know, what, what can I do? This is one of those things you can do is just refer that person to this program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because often we could maybe, uh, you know, sort of help stabilize a situation that, that might be might be happening, which, uh, you know, could make a big difference in someone's life. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to say we only have a minute or two left, Peter, maybe even just a minute, but I wanted to say, is there anything else that you'd like for the public to know about this program? Uh, well, I mean, we're thrilled to be part of the Nashua community uh, with our new program, for sure. Um, just the fact that people are now finding out we're there is wonderful. Um, if anyone has questions or doubts or just uh, wants to know more, just reach out to reach us. out to We'd you be happy to help i mean i think it's one of those areas where education is needed uh, even basic information sometimes about you know basic facts and yeah you know, resources absolutely mm-hmm. that sounds great so thank you peter for coming on we've been listening to peter burke the manager of community education at saint joseph hospital and we've been talking about the brand new senior behavioral health unit at saint joseph hospital if you're looking for more information about that, you can call their telephone number, which is 884-5560, or you can send Peter an email at pburke, B-U-R-K-E-1, at C-O-V-H dot org. Or if you forget all of that, call Mike or the guy at United Way, and I'll get you connected. Peter, thank you for coming well, on our show. Thanks, Mike. Great to see you again. Really great seeing you as well. 
So you've been listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I am your host, Mike Affelberg. We will be back next Monday morning at 9 a.m. with two more great nonprofit interviews um, where you can learn more about what's going on in your community. And until next week, please remember, A, join us on Fridays United this Friday at noon on Facebook. And please remember to be kind to one another because great things really do happen when we live united. WSMN 1590, WSMN 95.3 FM, Nashua. Listen, watch, and stream at WSMN.live. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The Myanmar military.